Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Forgiveness. Well, we are bringing a whole new flavor today. If you've listened to the episode Sexual Soulmates a few weeks back, then you'll know our guest today. If you haven't, go listen to that episode. It's so good. And during that episode, Susan and I were talking about the importance of forgiveness and how important it is, certainly in our sexual relationships, but really any relationship. Because if we're holding resentment, then we're ultimately feeling unsafe and we're always going to be protecting ourselves, um, whether we know it or not, and not really stepping into our fullest vulnerability, right? I call it the vulnerability pool, where life becomes so sweet. So Susan came back on the show to find out what I know about forgiveness. She thought I had some things to share. And we threw out the regular format of the show and we just had a conversation. We just talked about the most important F word in our life. The way that we forgive people has everything to do with the way that we live. She shared some of the things um, that she's forgiven in her life and how she did that. I shared a lot about how we heal from our emotional wounds and how we move into the place of truly not only forgiving others, but forgiving ourselves. So my guest today is the amazing Susan Bratton. She is a champion and advocate for all who desire passionate relationships. She's considered Dear Abby of Sex. Susan's fresh approach and original ideas have helped millions of people of all ages and across the gender spectrum transform sex into passion. She's been married to her husband, Tim, since 1993. She's an author, award-winning speaker. She's a serial entrepreneur, and she teaches passionate lovemaking techniques to her fans around the world. She's been featured in the New York Times, on CNBC, the Today Show, as well as appearing on ABC, CBS, The CW, Fox, and on NBC as The Marriage Magician. She's the CEO and co-founder with her husband of Personal Life Media. And through her company, she's authored over 20 books. And she has so much to share on the topic of sexual soulmates and of how to really connect in relationship and definitely how to forgive. So with no further ado, the lovely Susan Bratton. Susan, you're back. <laughs> so I'm, soon. <laughs> so soon. I'm so excited. Um, there was such a connection on the first episode, and we talked. I usually keep the episodes under an hour, and every once in a blue moon, I go over an hour, and we went over an hour. So <laughs> we're like that, right? Um, but this is like this topic just was born for those of you that didn't listen to Susan's episode um, on Soulmates Are Co Created we sexual soulmates are co-created we just kind of in the middle i think of the interview talked about doing 
a podcast about forgiveness, like betrayal and forgiveness. And we both have stories of that. And so we're going to just literally interview each other and hang out and have this conversation. And I know for most of the people that I've coached, they've gone through a betrayal in their life, like that has felt um, big and emotional and difficult. And I think a lot of times we can really get stuck in that and it can really form our future relationships and how we are connected to people and things of that nature. And so I just want to share my wisdom. I want Susan to share her wisdom about how we kind of navigate this in life. It's going to happen probably to most of us and we can all move through it and heal from it. So welcome. Shauna, thank you so much. You know, it, it's funny. I was thinking about how it happened that we decided to do a, do a show together so soon since we just talked about betrayal. And I remember that I was telling you about how I asked all of my fans, what was it that was holding them back from having the intimacy that they wanted? Physical and or physical or emotion and emotional. Like physical is always, always includes emotional. Sometimes emotional yeah. doesn't include physical, but not that what was holding them back wasn't having a partner. It was like not about the dating piece of it. It was about what physically or emotionally is between you and the relationship, the sexual connection that you crave. And when they wrote back to me, hundreds of people, I read every email and I thought about it. I had a few sleepless nights over taking all that in. Like, you know how as a healer, <clears throat> you're holding people's hearts in your heart. And I had a few restless nights where I kind of tossed and turned because I'm one of those people who I think about the answers to things while I'm asleep. I say to myself, think about this and come up with some solutions for me and let me know what they are in the morning. <laughs> right. Me too. Me too. That's that in unconscious and subconscious at work that is really, I think, also a part of your essential self and has memory that your rational self doesn't remember. And I woke up one morning and I said, I can, I can see how to fix all of the pain, all of the body issues, painful sex, erectile dysfunction, whatever those, you know, uh, prolapsed organs, herpes, any, any sexual issue and or a lot of physical issues. There's ways to compromise or work around or come up with a new, you know, a new way of being intimate that might not include things you can't do, you know? So I felt like for the physical piece of it, there were always workarounds and or solutions people were just unaware of. But what I saw in all the responses was this outlier cluster of betrayal issues. They'd been hurt, they'd been laughed at, they'd been shamed, they'd been ridiculed, they'd been cheated on, they'd been lied to, whatever, and, and you know, add a few more nasty things, mix it all up and all that stuff and more. And there were people who were not in relationship because they couldn't get over the hurt. And I thought, that's not one I can fix. That's not my area. That's a, that's a, that's a healer, a, 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 a relationship coach, a, a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a person who a somatic experience 
release person, you know, that, but that's not me. I'm really more about the sexual connection and how to get your body to work right during sex so you can have great sex. And so then that was really on my mind because I didn't have an answer for it. And you and I somehow got on to betrayal and the things you started to talk about, because it wasn't really the forum for it, the things you started to talk about, I thought to myself, I want to talk to you about this. And I mentioned it in the podcast and said, hey, maybe maybe we could have a conversation about this sometime because I feel like you have a, a lot to add. And that's how we ended up here today. And so what I was hoping we could do is really start with kind of an outpouring of your heart and experience so that we could hear what you have to say about that. Because I think you've got some real depth of knowledge and solutions that I haven't heard coming from a lot of places before. Yeah, for sure. I, I I always joke with my son and I say, this is my jam. And what you're talking about is my jam. Like it's what my contribution, right? And I think what's so beautiful is we each have our own area that we feel like is this is my domain, right? Yeah. Like this is where I can really affect a lot of um, healing and change in people's lives. And I think, you know, I want to say first that you know, I think we tend to go to the physical first, right? It's easier to say, oh, the physicality. I think on the emotional plane of our being, the way I see it intuitively is like, we've got the physical and the emotional and the mental and the spiritual aspect of self. And the emotional piece, I think is the most elusive for people. I think it's the place we're most afraid of. We don't want to necessarily touch it. We don't know how to, we're never taught like how to, and most people grow up in families where there's not a healthy expression of emotion. And so they have that imprint of life and then you go out into life and it's not like they teach this at school. And so we, we walk through the world picking up experiences, right? And painful ones, joyful ones, the whole spectrum. And those experiences somewhat cause us to either contract or expand. And so if we have a story of having a lot of painful experiences, emotionally painful experiences or betrayal, abandonment, you know, things of that nature in our childhood, and then we start moving forward into our adolescence and our adulthood, we, we contract more and more and more like our emotional self. And, it, and for a lot of people, it becomes a very walled off aspect of self, but because we have a core desire to connect with people, like an absolute fundamental core desire. It's like we're trying to like keep the wall, but maybe like put a hand over the wall every once in a while. And then if the hand gets bitten by the alligator, it's like, just kidding, I have my wall here. And, we're, and, and then if the hand gets bitten by the alligator, it's like, yep, I need a taller wall, right? So it's like walking through, and I like to say, I like to call it wool blankets on our back. It's like, we go through these experiences, it's like putting a wool blanket on someone's back, and by the time they get to the middle stage of their life, often they're wearing about 50 wool blankets on their back and we're not standing up straight anymore. Hmm. And we have this innate, wonderful ability to adapt and to get over, to move, move forward, right? Like, oh gosh, this bad thing happened and now I'm going to move forward. But the key to my work is really understanding how to move that emotion out of our physical body because our body has memory. Our body is very intelligent and it, it's a record keeper of our life. And so if we've got all this stored emotional energy in our body from all of these different instances, 
it's really going to impact the physical. And ultimately, it's going to have us be walled off in certain aspects. And so the way I have an intuitive gift and everybody's gifts work in different ways, right? Like you probably see a physical body and go, right, I know right what to do with that. And I look at somebody's life and I'm able to kind of see the impact of the things that they've been through and what things are impacting them the most. And funny enough, some things that we might call the most traumatic might not be the things that are impacting that person the most. It might be something that most people would think is not difficult or traumatic. And so there's no, I have to say there's no um, scale of what is registered as emotionally impactful. It's different for everybody, which is why we can't say, oh, it's just this that's you know gonna upset people or just that. It's really different for people. And so um, I think, you know, I think why we're here um, at this time is to really understand all of these different levels of self and to be able to integrate them together to become a whole person and to understand, I really think it's a technology in some ways, how to heal like on all these different levels, right? Whether it's mental and the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about other people and our mindset or our emotional self. Like I say to people all the time, you know, sometimes people, clients text me and they're like, I'm having a really hard day. I'm like, let the emotion move, right? Like we are so used to holding it back. I'm like, flow like a fountain. You would not jump on top of a fountain and try to stop the water. So you don't wanna do that with your emotions. We just wanna clear the energy and we just need to give it permission right? Like I feel sad about this, like let yourself cry, right? And I always say toddlers do it best. They, they know how to move emotion, right? They, they will throw themselves on the ground. They will cry. They will kick. They will scream. They go up over the bell curve of emotion. And then they come down the other side. They jump off the floor. They're like, let's play. They, <laughs> they don't carry anything inside of them. They're not harboring resentment. They're not going to therapy, right? They are having a full emotional up, you know, bell curve and expression and that energy leaves their body, right? So, so part of the way that we can start to just even understand this within ourselves is looking at the different ways. I, I ha always have people become aware of how do we stop our emotion? Like what is our tool? There's some really key tools, the ways that people do it. Some people um, that I've worked with have not cried in years. They don't feel really anything. They don't feel their anger. They don't feel their sadness. Some people feel anger and sadness all the time and it's overwhelming and they don't know what to do with it all. Um, and they're kind of stuck in an emotional, they're stuck at the top of the bell curve and they don't know how to come down the other side. Um, some people have a lot of shame around their emotion. They were taught it's not okay to cry, it's not okay to get angry. Um, it's fascinating because in our culture, we have a lot of shame around women's anger, and we have a lot of shame around men's sadness. So it's like not okay for a man to cry or feel sadness, which is why they go to anger so much, and it's not okay for women to be pissed off right? They, she's a bitch or she's, you know, this or that or whatever. And so a lot of the anger gets channeled into sadness when we need to stand in our power about the emotion that we're feeling. And so I love what you do. And I love that, you know, by you putting this out to your community, that people started really voicing, because I, I say awareness is key, right? It's the first step. So if someone can send an email and say, hey, I can't even, you know, get to the point where I'm in a relationship because I just don't trust. 
I always say that's that's the open door. That's all you need is to be able to say, look, here's where I'm at, because then you start from there. Oh, that last thing you just said gave me goosebumps about that's all you need is to be aware of your betrayal. Yes. So what are the what are the steps to healing betrayal? And can we can we kind of box it in a little bit to relationship betrayal? Sure. Because I th- it, it could be, and it doesn't necessarily have to be they cheated on me. It could be they shamed me or they were mean to me or they abandoned me. I think that's another really big emotion. So could you start with what, what are all the kinds of emotions that happen? And I'm talking about um, sexual relationships. I'm talking about a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or with a with a partner that you had intimate times with. Because I think that in often that's where you give your heart most deeply and you are your most vulnerable and the betrayals. You know, if somebody is betray- betrays you in your job, that's one thing. But if someone be- betrays you in your love life, that's a whole nother thing. Yes. So what are the emotions that are felt? And then when you said you gave that, you know, hope, like the first part is awareness. Where do you go from there? Well, I want to just back up to one step and say, when you have the initial awareness of like, okay, this has happened to me and it's really caused me to close up or to not want to, you know what I mean? Be in relationship again, or you realize like that you put that connection together. Like here's something that's happened to me and this is what it's causing right now. You want to start by going even further back because if we've had it in our field, like I'm going to say our energetic field, not to get super woo-woo about it, but if we've had it in our field, then chances are we've had this experience prior to this, right? So this can be with like a parent or a caregiver. This can be in, and it doesn't, it may not be in a sexual relationship. Um, You know, you hear about repeating patterns, like people dating the same type of person. Um, But I have people go back even further because when I look into their field, it's like a cyclical pattern, right? It's like an engine that just keeps going around and around. And it may show up in, with a different face, it may show up with a different personality, but it's usually something that is in their field. Now, to go even broader with it, it can be something that's traveled through their family lineage. Mm-hmm. You know, So meaning it's not even something that, that they so much adopted in this lifetime, but they, if, if they look at their mother or their grandmother or you know, they go back in their lineage, and if those people told any stories or were honest about anything, you would see that this went on, right? And so there are ways, I just give, I give people hope by saying there are ways to clear that lineage, meaning like you don't have to carry that forward. And if you have children, you don't need to pass that energy on to your children. Um, but, but I think it helps people broaden it, right? It's not just Joe or Jane that did this to me, there's a much bigger story going on under the scenes and a much bigger opportunity for healing. Because if it's in your love relationship, it's probably also in other areas of your life too, right? And it seems to be like, it's like an energy that follows these different areas of your life. And so the cool thing is, and if we really start to explore it and start to be able to understand the energy and how to heal it, 
then it simultaneously is going to positively impact all areas of your life. So I think sometimes we get very myopic and we go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? This person did this to me, you know what I mean? Or what's wrong with them? Or why do I keep attracting the wrong people? And I just like to say it's a much bigger, right? Like opportunity to clear this kind of stuff out of your life. And it starts with just seeing it as a bigger opportunity and saying to yourself, like, you know, if you believe, if you, if you know anything about energy, then you've heard people say like what you put out, right. What you emanate out as an energy is attracting things, right. Not necessarily that you're attracting exactly what you're emanating, but your energy attracts you know what I mean? Things into your field, which is why people say I date the same guy or I date the same girl over and over again. And the coolest technology that I think we have, because I talk a lot about energy in my work, is the ability to change our own emanation of energy, right? And that's really at the root of a lot of the work. And it happens through that emotional plane. And so to begin to heal is to acknowledge like, this is in my field. And not to take responsibility for what happened to you, but to take responsibility for the fact that you can heal that, right? And that just because somebody might have betrayed you doesn't mean you carry the mark of shame forever. It doesn't mean that everybody else is going to betray you. You go, wow, this showed up in my field. Oh my gosh, I'm going to look within myself and I'm going to look at where else this might be showing up or where else it's shown up in my family or my best friends. Like, you know, do I have a lot of friends going through the same thing? And I'm going to really take responsibility for my life and learning about myself and about my emotions and about who I am as a person and why I'm here because I know that I can shift this energy. And that alone like flips a switch in people because it, it, it gives us our power back because when we've been betrayed, we feel the victim. Yeah. We feel like someone has taken something from us and we're terrified that someone's going to come and take more from us. You know, someone else is going to show up and take from us too. And so when we understand that ultimately it all comes back to, are we willing to look inside of ourselves? Then begins the real journey, right? Which is the journey of like expanding what you know is possible, like how you how you bring things into your life, how you create things in your world. Um, you know, this is a lot of what I teach about is like our creative potential. And I don't mean art. I mean, how are we manifesting or creating things in our life? And what energy are we putting out? And so it takes, I think some of, when you look at something from a, a macro level, it takes some of the little, like we get very, focused on the myopic and stuck in the circle of that. And when we look at it as this bigger vantage point, we go, oh, this isn't even about Joe and Jane, really. This is about me and this opportunity I just got to learn who I really am and to understand how to connect deeper to myself and how to bring that forward, right? Because the deeper we're connected to ourselves, the deeper we can connect to somebody else. And the more we're gonna attract somebody with the ability to connect to us. Because a lot of times, you know, in, in most betrayal instances, I will say, there is, a, there is a breakdown in connection. It was either never there, right? Or communication has gone away or connection has gone away. There's, there's somewhere that the connection has either was never established or has been broken, right? And that dissonance caused by that like causes other activities to go on in the dynamic, right? And so 
when we learn about those and when we learn about ourselves and how we show up and what our own limitations are to relationship, our own fear of connection, our own inability to communicate or share, right? Or show up in a certain way. Then we start to go, oh, like I'm in the driver's seat of this, right? And it starts to become a fun process of like, oh, with all that I learned, I'm gonna go out there in the world and see what comes into my field. And when things come into my field, I'm gonna have like a really smart vantage point now. So that creates, especially for women, a sense of safety. Like I'm safe in this because I know myself and I'm, I don't have these blinders on, right? And I'm not just playing into past patterning or programming that maybe I was born with or that came through my family, but like, I'm gonna see this for what it is. And that sense of safety, again, I think we talked about this in the first time we spoke, but safety, in the presence of safety, we can be open, we can be vulnerable, we can share, we can connect. If there's no safety in the dynamic, there's always going to be limitation in those areas. If we don't feel safe with somebody, I mean, even on the physical level, I'm sure, we're just not going to really go there. And so it's, you know, I feel like to do this work, is not only, I mean, you know, not only do clients tell me I make more money, I have better relationships. It's like everything in their life starts to just expand. But to me, like the real thing that you get to walk with is that no one ever takes that away from you. Like you will never not see what you now see and moving through the world becomes way less scary or terrifying or feeling like the victim or feeling like horribly vulnerable. It's more like I'm in my truth and I can be vulnerable and I'm safe in that, which makes life feel so much more pleasurable. I think there are a lot of people who can't break the state of their victimhood, who live a story in their mind of being betrayed, cheated upon, shamed, abandoned, uh, disrespected, whatever it might be. And, and maybe that gives them certainty that they don't, they don't have if they don't hold on to it. Maybe that's why they hold on to it. What is it? Why do people get stuck? I don't have this issue. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it, because this is what, this is what you help people do is break that. But I can see people really clinging to their victimhood and betrayal, like it's, um, uh, a comfortable teddy bear or something. It's like the perspective of how they view the world and to trade that for something like their essential self sounds maybe really scary to them, like a path they don't know. Well, that's the safety, right? We become safe in our limitations because the ultimately, I mean, I'm very passionate and I've done a lot of studying of fear and change because at the root of my work, whether I'm changing the energy that someone's emanating, which is going to then change aspects of their life, you're always going to have to come up to the conversation of fear, fear and change or fear of change, all of that. Because our brain is wired to have us not change. Mm -hmm. Our brain just wants to have certainty, right? So if victimhood is certainty, yeah. the brain's like, great. And you may not be happy with that. You may spend the rest of your life talking about, I really wish I could be in love and I really you know, don't wanna feel like the victim anymore. 
but you, if you keep approaching it from the same energy of victimhood is safe and safety is important to you and you haven't felt safe in your family of origin or you haven't felt safe in your sexual relationships, like that becomes, like you said, a comfy blanket. That becomes the energy that you live in, right? The perspective and vantage point from which you look out. And I think it's great and expansive when you realize that the energy you live in is not fact or reality, right? It's not the energy that anybody else lives in. Everybody has different perspective and our perspective changes when our energy changes. Like when we change what we emanate into the world, and I call it like, I always say with people, if, if people aren't used to an energy conversation, I say, if you go to a party and there's a room of 200 people and you're there and you don't really know anyone, you're going to walk in that room and your eye is going to go to certain people, right? You're going to just immediately, whether it's like a cute outfit or, oh, he's handsome or she seems really nice, your energy is going to connect with like the other energy in the room that it feels resonant with. Yeah. And you're going to go, oh, I want to go talk to him. He seems really nice. And what will you say when you leave the party? You might go, oh, he's got a great vibe, right? Or, oh, she had a great vibe, like, which really means my energy liked her energy and we had a great conversation. So whether we know about energy or not, this is a phenomenon that's happening in our life all the time. And it's the same as you go on a date, right? You might love this guy on paper. You met him online, right? Or this woman and they're perfect on paper and they were nice on the phone and you get a dinner and you're like, ugh, no no energy connection, right? Like, oh, what a bummer. Like he was so perfect or she was so perfect. And that's that, that's that intangible, just like love, right? You can't see love, but we all know what love feels like. That's that connection or compatibility or energy connection that we have with people. And when we don't feel safe in that, or that hasn't been safe for us, we shut the switch off. And the cool thing is that it's as simple as realizing that you want to make a choice to, to grow within you. It's not so much, I need to meet a different person yet. It's more the first step to, to answer your question a while back. Like the first step is, are you willing to grow within yourself? Are you willing to, to take responsibility for this happened in my life? And it, it's just a little example of maybe areas where I can grow. It's just a little example of like, this happened in my journey. Why is it happening? I'm going to look within myself. Instead of being stuck in, he did it, she did it, they're wrong, they wronged me, I'm the victim, because that perspective and vantage point allows no healing. That is the brick wall around your life. And we all have the opportunity to choose the brick wall, but it's never going to end in fulfillment and happiness, right? Like nobody feels good ultimately at the end of the day with a brick wall around them. They may feel safe for that moment, but they don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel connected or good. And so ultimately we all have to make the choice. Are we willing to take the inner journey to create what we want in the outer? Because everything that we create in the outer is really has to do with our inner journey and I don't want people to mistake that I'm saying, take responsibility for someone that wronged you. Like, oh, it's all my fault that he did this to me or she did that to me. It's not that. It's just saying this showed up in my life as an experience and I have two choices. I can stay stuck in victimhood about it or I can look within myself and say, where, do, where, do, where can I grow? 
from this? And how can I heal from this so that I'm attracting something different into my life? So that's the big choice, right? And the brain doesn't really love the unknown and the fear of stepping forward. And so I think, you know, people ask me like, what makes somebody step forward and somebody not? Like what makes someone heal and someone choose that? And what makes someone else stay in victimhood? And it's really this is a funny answer to this because it probably wouldn't be what people expect, but I believe it has to do with community. I believe it has to do with, are you putting yourself around people that are the, that by who they are, are the evidence that healing is possible. If you surround yourself, right? This is why things at a fundamental level, like a 12 step program works, right? It's like you go into a room of people who are the evidence that being sober is possible, right? Or stopping overeating is possible. Mm -hmm. And you start hanging out in the energy of those people and you suddenly see that that's possible for you too. So it's the same way. I mean, you know how your mom will say like, oh, what you hang around you become is true. Like we exchange energy with what we're around and we start to resonate with it and we start to align with it. And so if we're in victimhood, the best thing we can do is get around people who have moved out of victimhood right? We can be around people who have healed that in their life. We can put ourselves in circles of people or in programs or working with someone like yourself or, you know, any group that's going to give you the signpost of you can heal from this. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some of the steps that you take people through? So let's just say someone's been hurt. They've been really living in a victimhood. They've liked that warm wool blanket, <laughs> that warm wool coat. <laughs> yeah. Keeping them cozy. And now they come to you and they say, Shauna, I need to change. I'm going to work with you and I want you to help me let go of my bitterness. And I want you to help me just put this behind me and not have it have a hold on me or color how I react in the world. I want to change the place where I come from in living my life. What do I do? And what do those steps look like? So it's different when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, it's different for everybody because like we're all unique and we all have a different kind of formulaic um, way that we learn or grow and so that's what my gift is really, it, it's like I can assess like how, where the injuries are, the emotional injuries and what needs to go first, second, third, and fourth. So I always say it's similar to peeling an onion, meaning, you know, sometimes people are even traumatized or afraid because maybe they tried to, you know, get support and maybe that person went 10 layers deep with them and they weren't ready for that. And it felt again, traumatic, right? I mean, healing experiences could be registered as traumatic as well. And so I, I let the other person's soul, if you want to say, guide the process, meaning like I say, what's rising to the surface? And they will tell me something that's going on in my life. And then I know that's the thing that's right on the surface of the onion, right? That's in their consciousness. And we can start to heal that. Then the next week when they come back, what's rising to the surface. So we're never going 10 layers deep. I can see 10 layers deep, but I believe that our conscious brain needs to feel in control of the dynamic, right? Our conscious brain is like a sweet little puppy dog that just wants to know what's going on. How's it happening? Am I going to be safe? Like, you know, so, you know, some people go to different levels of body healing or energy healing or things like that. 
And I believe that the brain sometimes intercedes that because the brain goes, well, what's going on? What's going on in my body? What's going on here? What's going on there? And, and this is part of integration. Like all parts of us need to come along on the journey. And so when you can speak to the conscious brain and you can have it feel safe, then it will allow your body, right, to feel safe. It, it's like the safety comes into your whole beingness. And, it, and I always say in the presence of love and safety, we heal, when we are around very powerful experiences of love, which some people, when they work with me, have never been around that in their life. They've never really felt totally cared for, held, loved um, ever. And so to be in that kind of energy and to feel that way in our coaching dynamic just allows them, it's like taking a sigh of relief. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, like I can relax. And in that relaxed state, we can allow new things in, right? It's like the wall starts to come down. And so the first step is, is being safe in our dynamic. Um, I, I go really deep with people. I become you know, somewhat a part of their life and their journey and their trusted confidant as they start to allow the things to rise to the surface. And the safer we feel, the more that onion peels faster and faster naturally. Like they start bringing in, oh my gosh, this happened. And then this happened. And, and so we just head down the road and, and we say, what are the intentions? Like, what do you want to create in your life? And we start really looking at those areas that need to kind of shift in their consciousness or the way they believe about life or people. And we start kind of looking at that perspective. And so there's, in a conversation, there is many things going on under this under the words of the conversation with people. Um, sometimes people are like, "How exactly is this happening? Like, how am I feeling differently about this?" And and that's the energetic kind of part that goes on. But but the it's a regular coaching conversation from from our conscious brain standpoint. But we're just it's like cleaning out an old closet right? Of the things that we don't want anymore, that don't fit our life, that aren't supportive to us and opening up. It's like, there are other realities going on that you're not a part of, that you, you don't even know about. And when we start to clean out our closet, we're no longer circling in the victimhood or circling in the pain. We start being able to go, oh, what's that over there? Like, oh my gosh, there's all these people over there and there's all these new ways of seeing life over there and it feels good. And so we naturally start to gravitate in different directions that we maybe never had access to before. So it's very, um, it's very multifaceted and very healing for people. And there's always a surprise component to what you come for is not always, like I always ask people at the end of working together, like what did you most get out of this? And they will, absolutely shift the thing they came for, but they will always answer something else that they never even knew they were looking for. So it really is touching every different area of people's life. Can you give some examples of the kinds of things that people realize in letting go of their upset? Yeah. Some, a big one for people is that what they're so upset about isn't even theirs. So a lot of times we have absorbed like either in childhood or throughout our life, where I've actually taken on the, the vantage point or perspective or way of being of other people in our life or something that was mirrored to us. And we are living through that and we think it's ours. And when I look and I can see, oh, this is something that you basically, it's like picking up a cold, right? It's, it's not stemming from your beingness. 
then immediately when the conscious mind like gets wind of that, it starts to drop it because it goes, oh, this isn't even mine. I don't have to feel this way about this. I don't have to stay stuck about this. And also if it's tied back to like a primary relationship, which many times it is, that person can then for the first time actually separate themselves from their, their parent or their caretaker or their mother, aunt, uncle, and see themselves as a total individual, not playing out that other person's stuff. And so that is a very immediate shift that happens for a lot of people. I have a really good example of that. I it happened it. to me when I was about mid forties, um, maybe 42 or so. I, I realized that I had spent my whole life being a corporate business person, salesperson, warrior person, making money. And I'd been married to my husband for 10 years and we'd never merged our checking accounts because I didn't want to. And I never really let him take care of me. And I realized that my number one relationship value was security, that I wanted my husband to really watch over me and take care of me. And I never let him, mm -hmm. even though it was the thing I wanted most. And I realized that it stemmed from my mom telling me the whole time I grew up to never trust a man and to always have your own money and to always have getaway money and um, she was trying to protect me because she had made some poor marital decisions, but that wasn't me. And I had married very well. And I married to my husband for going on 30 years now, but we almost got divorced. And that was one of the things that I learned was that I had never... I had never really let him take care of me in the way that I was dying for him to take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a perfect example, right? It's like we do that in life. We're like, oh, he's not taking care of me. He's not taking care of me. And we don't even see that we're not allowing it, right? Because of somebody else's hurts, right? Like you didn't have the same hurts as your mother. You hadn't married different people and had it not work out, but you were living out of you know, like a good daughter, right? I mean, this is, this is, I'm listening to my mom. She's probably smart, you know, or I'm listening to my dad. He's probably smart. This is exactly how it happens. And the fascinating part is that for a lot of people, we don't wake up to that till halfway through our life. And until something starts to happen in our world, yep. right. That has us look within. And so that's what I truly call like, you know, people talk about an awakening experience. And I think when you really boil it down an awakening experiences when you start to wake up and go, wait a second, like, why do I believe what I believe? Where is this coming from? Like, you know, we don't question it when we're young. We just believe what we believe and we think it's reality and we live from that. And, and the, the whole shift in like life happens when you can step back far enough to say, why do I believe this? Right. And is it really my belief or is it somebody else's belief? Right. And and how do I really feel about that? And we have choice, I think, is the biggest, most amazing thing we have in our life is the ability to choose something different and be able to really, really understand the power of powerful choices. Like 
making a new choice every day, sometimes that's where we begin. The, the choice is ours and we have choice every day. And if we start just making one new choice, no matter what it is, we start to see that that will shift our day. It will shift our life. And if we start, you know, not overwhelming ourselves with, oh gosh, it's so difficult. I have to change everything overnight, but saying, you know what, today I'm going to make one new choice. I'm going to do something differently that feels good to me. That feels like I should be doing that. Rather it's taking care of your body or, or eating better or, you know, connecting with somebody that you've thought about connecting with and you haven't done it yet. It doesn't matter what it is, but what it does is it starts to get your brain safe with change, right? It starts to get your brain on board with, oh, okay, I can do something different and it's okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to live through this and I'm going to, you know, see that, oh, now I can make a second new choice because that one didn't kill me. And I say this to people and they're like, come on, right? But that is what our brain thinks. It's literally life yeah. or death. Like if you change this, it's the end of the world, the end of days, you're going to die, right? I mean, that's how dramatic the brain is, right? It's like, well, I also think, especially when you're in victimhood and you've worn a deep groove in your neural networks around that mindset of being the victim or being unlovable or whatever it might be. And I think what that's doing is it's kind of leading me into the the perspective of forgiveness, because um, one of the healing experiences that I went through with a therapist was um, when I was little, my stepfather sexually abused me. And um, he was a very bad man. He beat me a lot and abused me. And um, it was just like a horrible childhood situation. And I had to do a lot of therapy to get right with it as an adult because I didn't want it coloring my approach to life. I didn't want it to still have its hooks in me. Right. I wanted to expunge it and get back to my core essential self that was who I was before I got hurt. I wanted to remind myself and come back to the purity of my soul before my abuse. And um, that was a very helpful experience was um, I did a couple things. One was I made a list of every wrongdoing that I could possibly remember, Mm -hmm. like an inventory of all of the pain. And um, I remember that being really helpful. I remember just going back and reliving it And um, having my therapist and I soothe me and tell me everything was okay and put in perspective what a horrible experience that was that I had to go through and to really reckon with it, to really look at it and be like, wow, you poor angel. Can you imagine? Look at at eight-year-old little girls. That was you. Can you imagine how horrible and what an injustice it was that you had to have those experiences? And so I did a lot of grieving and mourning for what happened to me. And then I did a lot of grieving and mourning for all of the negative impacts that it had in my life. So I worked on that a lot. And over time, I was able to kind of like, you know, get it out of me get it out of me and look at it and 
and really nurture myself again and soothe myself and love myself for it instead of just stuffing it. Yeah. And that really helped a lot. And then I got to the point where I could look at my stepfather who is dead now, thank God, um, and um, forgive him. Forgive him because he ended up being a pedophilic molester, a pedophilic sexual incestual molester and mm. beater of a little beautiful girl. That is worse than what happened to me. His life was worse than mine because yeah. I ended up being Susan fucking Bratton. <laughs> awesome and amazing. And he ended up a dead pedophilic molesting horrible sociopath (laughs) so that really helped me feel better Yes, (laughs) because it was like okay wow right I got the good end of the stick on that one he had it worse than I did Mm -hmm. and that really helped me realize that he was not in real control of who he was and that it what he didn't do it to me I was, it was the luck of the draw. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. My mom picked poorly. God love her. I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at her at all. I I don't have any reservations about that. She was doing the best she could do. He was very charming, you know, because he was a sociopath. He really worked her over. How could she have known? So I was able to get a mature perspective on the experience to the point where I could go, okay, I forgive him. He didn't do it to me. It wasn't about me. It was, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I just let it go. And do I feel sad about having had to go through that? Oh, that's, that's a terrible thing. But you know, people go through terrible things. We all, that's not the that's not the most terrible thing I've been through in some, some ways, you know, it's like, Like it's part of life is to, you know, have those terrible experiences. And so I didn't want it to, I wanted to get its claw hooks out of me. And so forgiveness was really compassion for my transgressor was extremely helpful for me in working through the process of letting go. Yeah. I think that's, so beautifully said. And I think the thing that, again, if we look at it from a very expanded viewpoint, which I want to honor the fact that that's not possible sometimes from where people are at, or if they've been through something recently, um, but you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today and serving people the way you are, had you not been through that. I wouldn't be able to help the people that I help today, had I not been in the grips of fear most of my life, which is why I understand fear and can move fear for people, had gone through the abandonment, the the hurt, the divorce that my parents went through, all of that, right? I wouldn't be able to stand confidently in the shoes and do the deep work, right? Like I do work that some people are like, I don't even know how you do that because you're willing to get in it with people and you're willing to affect big changes that have big, amazing outcomes, but it takes a lot of courage. And the reason that I can do that is because I've been there. 
And because I'm so rooted in the, the experience of it, right? And I so understand, like at a very fundamental level, what it takes to transform in a very big way in your life. Like not many people do that right? It's not everybody that comes to this lifetime and says, I'm going to really live in a different reality than what I was born into. And I'm going to really transform this and change big areas of my life. And I went through an experience of changing almost every single thing in my life at all at the same time. So I know that walk. And that is what gives me the confidence to be able to have people have the results they have in the work that I do. Had I not been through that, had I just been and no I'm not saying anything about therapists, but had I just gone to school and become a therapist and I hadn't had these life experiences, I would not be courageous and confident enough to sit across from somebody and say, I've made this walk and I've got you. I'm going to hold your hand and I know exactly how this goes. So it's because we chose to come here, right? You being Susan, me being Shauna, and to have these experiences so that we can really be with people like on the journey, right? You can talk about these things and you can be with people that have been through these life experiences in a way that many other people cannot. And that's what's so moving and exciting and important about it. And so if we look at our life experiences, the good, the bad, the difficult, all of it, and we see it from that perspective, like, cause it's so funny. I look back at my life and I look at all the different stepping stones and they all converged at, at what I, the work I do today. Like right? It's like every single thing I learned on the journey, I utilize today in this. Yeah. And back then there were things that it's like, it didn't make any sense. Like, yeah. why am I over here doing this? And why am I doing that? And it's like, no, from the bigger perspective, it's like, I was being led right to all of these different things so that I could become this person I am today to help people. And same with you and same with every single person listening in whatever faculty that they are here in humanity to help people, right? And to heal themselves. And so if we look at it from that, it's all perfect, right? And forgiveness may not be easy. And I want to qualify forgiveness by saying, forgiving somebody doesn't always mean that you remain in relationship with them. Exactly. Somebody yeah. doesn't mean- It's not a reconciliation. Either. It isn't, right? But it's it's only forgiveness and compassion for their plight. It's not necessarily reconciliation. Often it's not reconciliation. Most things are most things that are that deep a wound are not reconcilable. Exactly. And yet you can reach a state of forgiveness inside yourself. Yeah. And you can realize too, um, I won't go into the story too much, but I can say that that- once the soul leaves the body of the person who did these horrible things, they actually are not that person that did those horrible things anymore. And so mm -hmm. we can look at that and say, oh, we all signed up to come and have this experience together, right? For your soul's evolution, for that soul's evolution, mm -hmm. like the soul's experiences, they don't register as traumatic. It's like they choose to come and have certain experiences. And when you can look at it from that expanded vantage point as well, you're like, oh, we came here to do this dance, right? Whatever that dance is and learn what we needed to learn from it. And that's why I go back to, to kind of wrap this up is like, what, what did your soul come here to learn, right? And everything that's happening in your life is kind of knocking at your door saying, hey, you want to explore this? You want to look into this? You want to get to know yourself better? And if you look at it from that lens and that vantage point, there's no closing down in that, right? There's no victimhood in that. There's only empowerment. 
and stepping forward and putting yourself out there and connecting with people and learning. And that is an exciting place to live in. That's a beautiful energy to connect with and kind of be the lens of your life. And you will only grow and you will only attract more love and joy and prosperity and all the things that people say that they desire into their life if you have that vantage point. That's your mic drop. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs> Beautiful job. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed hearing about the processes that you use to help people move through. And if anything, this has been um, an opportunity for people to think about letting go of some things that are holding them back and to either start with someone like you to support them if they're lucky enough to have your support or to at least begin to take the first steps of awareness that it's possible to drop these woolly jackets. <laughs> I love it. And you are a blessing. And thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for coming and sharing with us and having this important conversation. You know, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> you. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. Thank you.